This is Sports Cutting Edge for ASTN, the Australian Sports Technologies Network. Here's your host, Lockie Wills. Well, the boys are back from XV Capital, James Godfrey, Sterling Mortlock. Welcome to the show. Great to be here, mate. How you been? Good to be back. You know, if if this podcast, Sports Cutting Edge, had a soul, the soul would be James Godfrey and Sterling Mortlock. You guys were one of the first guests we ever had, regulars on the show, and it's just so nice to have you back on. Um, what you've been able to achieve with XV Capital is is extraordinary. And, and really, and it's interesting because our first ever chat was two years ago. And the progress that you've made both globally and obviously in Australia has been huge. Um, Goddess, can you give us a, an idea of what you've been doing the last couple of years, please? Yeah, mate. Well, I think uh, what we probably spoke about two years ago, and we probably had a bit of a deep dive into Sportable predominantly as you know one of our foundation investments. I think now we're at seven into the portfolio. Um, we've uh, you know recently announced another another two investments, and we'll talk you know a little bit about those technologies later. But um, mate, it's been an exciting. It's been an exciting journey. Um, you know, we we see a real opportunity here in Australia, right? Um, there's this runway of major events. There's a great annual events um, cycle and there's a great sports ecosystem and uh, technology, right? It's the tool that can help advance all of that, create efficiencies and, you know, bring new revenues in and bring new exciting uh, tools, tools into play. So... It's um, it's just been a really, you know, really positive two years. The Australian sort of sports tech ecosystem has evolved significantly as well. You know, there's new conferences and there's um, we've seen the rise of, you know, Queensland state government as well getting heavily involved in the sports tech space um, and Department of, um, you know, Tourism, Tourism, Sport, Innovation up there. Um, so, mate, it's just, you know, there's, there's, there's lots of really positive, you know, positive noise in the marketplace and you know we've we ourselves have had to respond to that right so we've had to scale up and uh start to you know uh, build out our our board and build out our executive and start to systemize things that sterlo and i used to do as two founders a few years ago um you know we're we're a business right so it's um, exciting times and, and ready to um jump into the next sort of launch phase of of, of, of our platform and Sterlo, how about for you, mate? You know, I remember when we spoke that that first chat we had two years ago, and then we we did a follow up uh, in two thousand twenty two with the Smart Ball Revolution, whereby your company Sportable and your heading up of the Smart Ball in Australia was really starting to take hold. At that stage in twenty twenty two, there was trials in the NRL, the NRLW, um, the expansion into rugby union in the United Kingdom. Um, and now we see, subsequent to our last chat, Sturlo, that the AFL, the biggest sport in Australia, and the smart ball have become as one. Um, tell us about that journey. I mean, it's so exciting as a footy fan that that tech is going to be used in Aussie rules. Um, tell us about that, mate, please. Yeah, it's been fantastic. And, and I guess really uh, great to be working, I guess, really close with the whole entire sportable team. You know, the two co-founders, um, Pete and, and Dukes, we've been, you know, in, in the trenches with them for a, for a couple of years at least now. 
And uh, to see the business that's really accelerating globally, uh, they're doing fantastic stuff in North American sport. Um, they're already in the, the CFL, uh, which Genius Sports, you know, their main data provider has helped facilitate that. Then getting in, in, into, I guess, American football, uh, more than likely that'll ex- ex- expand into the collegiate system and, you know, downstream eventually at uh, the right time, right place, NFL. Um, they've also become, I guess, the the bladder the bladder the bladder boys globally so they've, they've patented and they've got a real clear understanding of how to integrate chips into bladder baseballs um so they've fast tracked into football slash soccer globally as well both adidas and nike are working really tirelessly to try to uh, win the arms race between the two of those those companies which you know they're, they're conglomerates globally um so that's fantastic getting into football globally as well um but in our neck of the woods, you mentioned it. Um, you know, we, 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 we've always called it the smart ball, but I think Eddie Maguire on what he classifies earlier this year called it the super ball, I think, the super, super Sharon, I think. Super Sharon. <laughs> um, but that's, that's been fantastic. So there's been a lot of work put into, to, to getting, you know, working with the AFL and that relationship has been fantastic. It's a real partnership between the AFL, um, and, and, and obviously, you know, Eddie and Jan in, involved as well. So, uh, we see that as being just a, a fantastic, uh, utilization. So sportable creates a, a digital twin in real time of any bladder based sports. And the more chaotic the sports, actually, the better it is. If you integrate that, that, that smart ball, the super ball, um, with the player, player chip, the, the data that's coming, effectively it creates, you know, a digital twin of that sport in real time. So it's auto coding every single event of that game with hardly any latency. And so then, you, there's a potential of augmenting the broadcast in real in real time, and maybe the first entry point might not be in real time. It might be you know a lot of the replays uh, augmented. Um, but but for AFL, where we see the great opportunity is around officiating. So was it a goal or wasn't it a goal? There's been you know grand finals that have been won or lost on, on that that argument itself. Uh, that can be systemised. Uh, did it did it did the ball get touched before or after the across across the line the plane of um, the goals um, did it carry 15 metres, for instance. There, there's some really easy um, solutions that we see uh, a Super Bowl uh, being integrated into the game to help really objectively quantify what's going on from an officiating point of view. And that's just a start. And, you know, the end point is gamifying and, and creating a whole new fan engagement um, solution for, for sports that, that have the technology. You literally cover every angle of it because, as you say, you know, you've got the officiating aspect and then the gamification and the way that that can roll into fan engagement. And then purely from an analysis point of view for a broadcaster or for a high-performance team to be able to get those key data points, like, it covers the whole thing. Sterling, can you just give uh, the listeners, you know, for those that aren't as familiar, uh, uh, like a bird's-eye view of how the tech works? Um, yeah. So, I mean, the reality is... Because it's such a groundbreaking technology, the first challenge was actually integrating a radio frequency identification chip into the bladder ball, which is no mean feat. To make sure that, I, I guess, the, descript- the, the delta on the, on the weight of the ball, as well as the aerodynamic qualities, you know, that, that took them a long time. It took, took, took Pete, who's, you know, the CTO at Sportable, who's, you know, literally ex-NASA rocket scientist. Um, took him about five years to work that out with Gilbert and partnering with Gilbert for a long period of time to get that right in rugby. 
Uh, fast forward to now, the work that we've done um, in and around the NFL, NFL ball and also integrating into, into bladder-based soccer balls um, and the sharing, it can get that, that time frame you know, for five years is more down condensed down to six to twelve months, right? To get a to get a go from a prototype all the way through to a full, fully um, production back at you know at the factories, uh, smart balls or super balls, and, and do it on mass. I guess the reason why we like sportable so much is a lot of these technologies um, take a lot of uh, I guess capital required to fit out a whole entire stadium, but what Sportable did was create the whole entire tech from the bottom up so that the, the, the beacons that are placed around the venue, you can use the same, they're totally portable and they're battery operated. There are no wires in the whole entire business. Everything is done by battery and everything, the batteries can last for well and truly way over a full game of rugby or full game of AFL or whatever sport they're in. So the beacons that, that, that are placed around a venue, that can be hard installed installed in that venue but it's just as easy to to, to, to bump in and do it 15 20 minutes before the match and that hardware can also be used at training it can be taken down to your local park and you can get the same data because it's literally portable um so the, so the technology is really universal um and, and that's why we're having lots of lots of good conversations actually over in north america and a lot of the colleges because they can use it in multiple sports across their all their, their premises so and so you've got a chip in the bladder of the ball and that's done in a seamless fashion and then the the that chip then interacts with beacons so is there what sort of half a dozen beacons that are placed around a sporting arena yeah so in, so in rugby at the moment it's anywhere from eight to twelve uh afl it'll be more, more like probably 15 maybe a little bit more um because obviously you know the, the oval venues are, are, are significantly larger than the rectangular venues. But yeah. yeah, if you think about, I guess, triangulation back to the old, uh, you know, using the compass orienteering days or whatever, or yeah. looking, guiding with the stars, you only need two points of reference. But obviously, when you've got 15, 16 beacons, um, the, the accuracy of, of it telling in real time, and basically, those chips are sending information back to the, the computer. At, at the main beacon, um, 20 to 40 times a second, and it's telling you all information around everything that's going on. So if, if it's a ball specific, specifically, was the rotation pure? Um, what was the velocity? What was the hang time? How high it went? How long it went? All of those are relayed to the platform. And the platform then, that's where the magic actually happens. It then, through algorithms and AI, actually categorizes was it was it a handball? Was it a pass? Was it a kick at goal? All those sort of things. It does it and automatically encodes the game in real time and creates that digital twin. And that's where the value is. The digital twin. Then, if you wanted to go into immersive experience, if you wanted to automate data, you know, real time data into any different medium, that's where the magic happens downstream. Insanity. And and God, as from a business point of view, obviously having the marquee sports, the biggest sports in the world. NFL, AFL in this country, um, that's huge for brand recognition, for profile, for integrity, credibility, etc. But 
How important is being able to work down the line into the, well, in America, obviously the colleges, the high schools, in Australia into more the grassroots level of football, the local, the VFL, the Sandful, the Waffle, etc., um, being able to work down through those levels to be able to truly monetize and build out such a strong economic case? You know, I suppose it goes back to our investment criteria. So when we initially see technologies, whether that be technologies overseas that get introduced to us or locally based technologies, one of the key criteria is around its um, diverse and scalable application, right? So Sportable, which Sterling just sort of talked about, is this great example that can be anything from an NFL game down to a, a high school um, you know, a high school solution and, and everything in between across across multiple sports. So um, it's it's critical it's critical for us based on our investment thesis. Um, I think the interesting thing that we've learned over time um, when we look at uh, a technology like Sportable that has multiple applications is really narrowing it down to what is the clear pain point for a particular segment to focus on. And then the rest of the applications will evolve um, as the technology starts to get more, um, you know, I suppose, you know, there's more awareness around the technology and then obviously, you know, more awareness around its capabilities. So, um, you know, there's a, there's a, there's, there's sort of two sides, two sides to that conversation. We want to invest because of the multiple applications, but we also have to be really, really clear on, on, on the solution provides. It's such a, a great point you make because, you know, with technology and, yeah, it's the old hype cycle thing they speak of, but like with technology, it's all very exciting and there's so much uh, scope, but being able to ensure that obviously, you know, you're working with your investment capital, you want to place it wisely um, and you want to put your name to things that, that make sense. Like how much of a, a strong process, and obviously you've been with Sportable for a long time, but with, with new potential prospects that come along, how uh, intricate do you have to be with analysing just not just the excitement of the product, but being able to really see that this can make money over five, ten, fifteen plus years? Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I might, I might jump on that one if you want, Goddess. You can go for it, still. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, I guess there is. Yeah, you can't help but get excited with a lot of these different innovations, and that's and that's um, that's great. But it also doesn't doesn't help pay the bills, and certainly. A huge part of our, I guess, our DD and our evolution as a business has been to systemize as much as we can all of our processes. And obviously, our DD is, is, is a significant part of that that we have been systemizing and have tried to objectively quantify a lot of these things to, to take the emotion out of it. And a big part of what we do uh, measure is, is, is our founders. You know, there's a huge amount of weight that goes into the, the, the founders and the executive of these of these you know, early to mid-stage companies because you can have a great product, you have a great solution and identifying a really big pain point and, and a great addressable market. But if your founders aren't really impressive people that can find solutions and can adapt and sometimes pivot the, the, the business and everything else and scale the business all, all, the same, all, all at once, you know, it's, it's, it's highly unlikely that they're going to be successful. So, objectively quantifying the founders as, as part of what we're doing as well. And, and I guess that goes back to our, our game-changing model in that we, we connect with businesses and we accelerate them. And ideally, at the end of that acceleration process, we, we invest in them as well. So we'd like to be really active on our DD with, with the companies as well. Um, but getting back to it, uh, the amount of, 
uh, I guess, process we put on our DD has grown and evolved, um, even so much so, you know, every few months, our investment committee makes up, meets up and makes sure we, we, we re- review our DD process and see if we need to tinker with what we're doing. And, and that, that continues to go, mate. And, and for yourself, God, as I know you've got uh, a great friend of this show, Rick Burton, the former uh, boss of the U.S. Olympic Committee, their marketing division, uh, worked with the likes of Miller Lite and FedEx and NASCAR and Nike. And I mean, he's a, he's a rock star, Rick Burton, based in New York. So he's now helping out from a U.S. point of view. God, as, um, how, since the last time we spoke, have you been able to expand out globally? Yeah, well, interestingly, we've actually... Uh, probably tightened our focus locally, first of all, Lockie. So um, Sterlo and I, with our rugby backgrounds, um, had a conversation probably at the end of last year where we felt it was just critical for us to earn the right more in our own backyard, first of all, get our systems and processes um, even further further tightened before we go into, um, into expansion into North America and then up into Europe and Middle East. So... Um, it's um, so you know, and Rick has been sits on our advisory board and has been you know great great support um, you know as we as as we sharpen that. But yeah, it's, it's number one for us has been focused on the Australian marketplace where we know that we can uh, we have great access, we have great knowledge, and we can um, really assist technologies whether they be local or global to accelerate in this region first of all. Um, and uh, I mentioned earlier just the interest from Queensland government and Victorian government. I mean, our, our first piece is to make sure that we've got a presence in Queensland and Victoria, um, and we've got a presence with some of our investee companies um, already in, in both of those states. So we want to have a presence there ourselves by the end of 2024 and then be up in North America by 2026 because they've got a similar major events runway than we do with They've actually got a FIFA World Cup in 26, they've had Olympic Games in 28, Rugby World Cups in 31 and 33. So we've got quite a similar um, major events runway that we could parallel some of our technologies between those um, major events. And then obviously Europe and Middle East um, is is a significant um, opportunity, a lot of capital um, you know, coming out of there into um, into sport, obviously com- complex environment at the moment, but um, that's that's how we see our, our our path growing. And on the on the other side of um, what we're doing from a location and the globalization of our business is really around more efficient capital. So um, transitioning from individual investments, which we've done in the past, into a, a sportable to more diversified investments using. Um, you know, uh, investment funds models, which is why, uh, you know, we've added certain people to our board and certain people to our executive. You know, John James, for example, has joined our board. He's the head of uh, Vanguard's uh, global institutional group and oversees $2 trillion worth of funds under management. So he's a pretty good guy to have in the tent as we start to build out our um, investment model downstream and, and Marty McLaren has joined us. Um, she had 18 years at BT. She headed up their research and governance uh, program, oversaw $150 billion of funds under management. So um, we're, we're doing this properly uh, and it's going to take us some time, but we're really sort of focused on setting the foundations for local growth, global growth and more efficient capital. 
Yeah, well, I mean, it's just so impressive the fact that you've gone about it in such a methodical way. And once again, it sort of comes back to that point with regards to the tech, whether you're talking about the business side of it or the tech side of it, doing it in a way that works and, and not just running on the excitement, but actually being able to to take proven steps and move forward in that methodical manner. Hey, God, is, um, on that note, we'll, we'll dive into some of your companies in a minute, but um, what, what is the goal for XV? Like in uh, 10 years' time, what, what do you want to get done? Well, I think it's um, it's cool because it's cool. Like we said, we hadn't spoken for two years, and I said I think I'm, you know, I probably look significantly different today than I did two years ago. So, man, I think uh, look, Sterlo and I, um, you know, we're, we're well aligned on this. We would like, you know, to be in a situation to, um, I suppose, you know, crystallise or exit out of the business in 2033, right after sort of. Rugby World Cups in North America, which we've been involved in, and Olympic Games here in in, in Australia. But that 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 is to be um, you know trade trade sale ready or be, be ready to exit, not necessarily to exit. Right? You know, you exit mm-hmm. when um, you've extracted maximum value from the business, and you know also our ages. Um, you know, we'll be at a certain time in life as well where we're going to be running really really hard for the next decade plus. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, you know that's that there's ideally some sort of outcome, but if there's not, and we're creating um, hopefully some value that gets transitioned into our shareholders and and you know ongoing generations, then 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 so be it, right? So um, you know we've got a, a little bit of a dual strategy. There's some flexibility to it, but we want to make sure that the business is in the situation to extract maximum value at that point. And if there's no one offering that, that's fine. We just keep keep driving forward well no doubt you will i mean you got honestly the, the smart ball is by far the it's the coolest the hottest product in sports tech at the minute there, there's no question about that and sterlite's interesting because you know we, we spoke about it uh yeah last time you're on the show i reckon it was march 22 and i think yeah it was the rugby league was sort of uh taking up the cudgels at that stage and they were doing their trials and all that but the afl's come through on the blind side and taken this and they're riding it to the finish line can you tell us about that journey? Eddie Maguire, great friend of this show as well. His company. So, I mean, you've got all the stars aligned. You're dealing with Gil McLaughlin, Eddie Maguire, um, and, and you're obviously coming in from a, you know, a deeply uh, storied sports background of your own. Um, and you've been able to make this work in Australia with Aussie Rules footy. T- tell us how, how you went about it and the different challenges that come along and, and how you're trying to, as Goddess was saying, what, what problems you've been solving, specifically with AFL footy. It's decision-making by umpires. Yeah, I, I guess it's not dissimilar to, I guess, the sporting background, right? And certainly I had 15 amazing years in in, in elite sport and you're only as, as strong as a team. And so for us at XV, um, I guess God has, has alluded to, we've, we've brought, um, you know, some really influential people into our board. We've got some influential people to our advisory board and likewise a couple of key, key uh, execs at partner level. Money McLaren and, and Rob Smith have come and joined on board as well, and so we're trying to get a great team around the XB team, but also for our inv- underlying investee companies or partners um, that we're accelerating in this region. It's more around how do we put a, a great framework and, and team around them as well, uh, and that's probably a clear example of what's happened with the AFL. Um, you know, I reached out to to Eddie early days, and and um, you know knew that. A, he would love it, but B, he, he would help facilitate 
a, a, a um, I guess the most efficient solution, which is which has been a you know in partnership with the AFL is the way we've gone about this, which is awesome. And and I guess going back to, again to our to our our DNA as a company, we want to do great things with great people. We want to provide win 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 solutions for everyone, right? And, and that's certainly when we set up sort of JV type type um, scenarios. That's what the outcome is. Um, and if you think about it from from this point of view, um, when you go into a, a rights holder with a new technology, typically there might be a national governing body or, or a commission or, or an overarching uh, organisation such as the AFL, then there's you know X amount of teams underneath them, a players association, uh, and then there's sponsors and everything else, and it just keeps on getting. There's more and more stakeholders involved, so you've got to have. It, ways of creating alignment so that everyone's on the same page and everyone can get the um the best outcome and often you know different stakeholders have different different um reasons for doing things so getting the getting the dream team together is a first part and having alignment is really a quick really 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 critical part and then making sure that um we're very clear on what pain points we're solving what we're going at and the rollout as well. So, just an extension on what Sterlo said there, Lockie, was also um, navigating the stakeholders and the sequence of communicating with those stakeholders so that, um, you know, and Sportable was a, a really good example, right? Uh, probably three or four years ago, um, they would have reached out. They, we know they reached out directly to, to certain, certain people and couldn't really get any access into. For example, the AFL ecosystem, right? When you start to get access through the right people and things get aligned, as Sterlo said, and having the conversations in the right sequence, the outcomes can be very different. So that's certainly something that, um, you know, we, we know that we're adding significant value to our uh, technology companies by not only the access, but also navigating each of the ecosystems and doing it in sequence to try and get to the outcomes as quickly as possible. Sometimes a no. An early no was far better than a wasted year of a tech company's investment trying to get into something. So we, we, we try and get an early no or we try and get a clear runway pretty quickly. Well, it's funny because I was just going to say, like that that clearly is one of the big things that you guys are bringing to the table, you know, because we, we all have different things we're good at. And obviously people that are creating these amazing tech products, that's their thing. You know, that's their passion. That's what they're amazing at doing. But being able to obviously, you know, fund it, that's one thing. But then being able to make the right connections. And and it's just interesting that you've got this amazing product. Five years ago, they knock on the door, knock on the door, no one lets them in. Then suddenly they're with you guys, knock on the door, knock on the door, and then away we go. And it's going to be in the AFL next year. So Sportable, the dream comes true for them. And for Aussie Rules Football, it's going to be better than ever before because it's going to be so much more efficient with decision-making, not, not to mention all the gamification, fan engagement, but purely getting the right decisions. I mean, my God. So, um, Sturlo, on that note, uh, how's it going to roll out? Because, yeah, so Eddie did the big uh, breaking story on his show, Footy Classified, on Channel 9. Super Sharon, Super Footy. So how is it going to actually be implemented in season 2024 as the greatest sporting club in Australia? Collingwood defends its premiership. <laughs> I, I'm i not going to promise or, or overstep the mark here and say exactly how it's going to be rolled out. Um, so right, right now, uh, it's still going through uh, testing protocols at, at um, 
both with AFL and through universities and everything else. So the 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 one thing that we want to we know we have to do right with the Super Bowl, the Super Sharing, is it's got to go through that rigor of testing, and then the players need to need to get their hands on the ball, need to train with it. It might go through the VFL as a starting point, um, but as soon as it's gone through all the rigor and the testing, um, it'll be up to the AFL to determine what's the right right time frame. I would love to say it's going to go in at, at, at the start of the season. More than likely, uh, more than likely, uh, mid-season or towards the back end of the season, just depending on how it goes from a from a passing those testing validation at clubs at training and or VFL, and then it will go you know, be integrated into the, into the main AFL. But uh, I don't have the time frame on that, to be honest. Uh, and it is the great thing working through a JV structure, Lockie, because you know, at the end of the day, everyone's trying to get um, the most successful outcome, so it's a lot more measured than uh, anyone pushing anyone to get something into the game, right? That's we do what we've got to do. We tick all the necessary boxes. And it's got great support from Andrew Dillon and, and Laura Kane as, um, you know, sort of leading, championing the project uh, inside the AFL. And, yeah, absolutely. And, and uh, yeah, once again, it's sort of almost the theme of our chat today that, you know, you have that methodical approach to get the long-term success, not just the sugar hit at the front end. And, um, Sterlo, just quickly, before we move on to some of your other wicket companies you got on board um with the, the super footy um purely from you know someone who, who played you know rugby union at the highest level um is there any impact upon the ball from what you've been able to touch and feel like that that actual experience for the player is there anything in that good or bad no no it's a really interesting one right so I, i've been a kicker back in, in rugby for a period of time and had right. sessions with sessions with prototypes and different balls and everything else and there's a bit of there's a bit of placebo effect slash uh, mind playing games at you at times. If you if you hand a player a ball and say, "Oh, tell me what's different with this ball," and it might be the same ball as normal, they might come back here and say, "Oh, this one felt different," or whatever it is. So it, it's actually not that easy to do that. What the, the best thing that we've had is a going through a full onboarding process with the players to actually say what the super ball does. So. Here it is. This is the chip that's in the ball. This is what the, this is what the data tells you about everything X, Y, Z to make them really informed on it, and then actually use it and go out and train with it, and play with it. After we certainly we did this in rugby union. After a period of time of, of training with it, and then playing with it and seeing the data in real time at training and also game, almost every single player that has used the smart ball in rugby loves it, right? Because the data that it provides is centimeter accurate in real time. So let's just say from an OHS point of view, you know, you've got a kicker coming back, an AFL player coming back from a groin injury can only have 25 kicks, right? Those 25 kicks can be coded in real time in training and you categorically know that they've done 25, bang, done, no more. Um, gone are the days where manually timing, hang time and all those different things with, with this with this ball. Um, so from a high performance point of view, uh, once you take a player through that journey and understand how how amazing this, the insights will be from a hot points point of view. The fear of this ball being different, it's just gone. And then secondly, uh, when they go through the process of that onboarding experience and actually having a, an old ball versus a super ball, they'll end up going, you know what, I can't tell the difference because that's what the five years of, of hard work that Pete Husemeyer, the CTO, has done with, with um, 
Gilbert to get it to a stage now where we have supreme confidence that they'll have no issue at all with 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 the, the aerodynamic qualities and the flight of the ball. And actually, you know, the World Cup in rugby, that's the final is, you know, on this weekend. The actual uh, ball that they used in the World Cup was a smart ball, but it wasn't turned on. So it was the same ball. It's just they didn't they didn't turn on the chip. And the idea of that is to sort of test the the ball itself rather than the tech, but just purely the ball. Yeah, and that what we're talking about the player experience. Correct. So in particular in, in rugby, you know, Six Nations have been using the smart ball. It's been used in Australia for a long period of time. Most, almost all nations have actually played with in games with the smart ball being used. So Gilbert wanted to put the most advanced ball in this Rugby World Cup. It's just that we didn't have the full entire opportunity to, to, to use Sportable totally throughout the World Cup. So we didn't do that. But the actual ball was a dual valve ball that had exactly the same look and feel as all of our smart balls in rugby do have. Uh, well, by the next World Cup, when the Wallabies come good and win the World Cup, it'll be a smart ball that gets them there. So there you go. It's going to all align beautifully in four years' time. Um, and and God is, you know, I mean, honestly, I just think objectively, as I look at this, yeah, I've worked in uh, as a sports reporter for 15 years. I honestly, I don't think you could imagine a, a, a better sports tech product than the smart ball. Like, I just think if you, particularly, obviously, if you get it, if you've got Adidas and Nike competing against each other to try and get it f- from a soccer point of view, if you can get the NFL in America and then you've got the AFL here, I mean, good night, nurse. You know, you've done everything you need to do in, in you know, XV time. I, I just think it's, this is the product. It will be considered the sports tech product of the modern day. Um, Goddess, you've got some other absolutely sensational companies that, that are doing different things. Um, I want to talk to you about Michelle Walsh and Lee Kenya. And, and Michelle and Lee, they came up on stage at the Australian New Zealand Sports Tech Awards night. I was lucky enough to, to do that night. And... Um, they came up um, from New Zealand, Michelle, and she's just someone who speaks with such passion about a real desire. And I know this will hit home for you, Goddess, because you know, your background is in coaching, it's in education, it's in empowerment and, and helping people find the best in themselves. Um, from the way in which their startup, Coachmate, can actually assist, particularly when it comes to women and girls um, and a greater empowerment and participation and retention in sport, but also throughout the throughout sport in general. Um, can you give us an idea about Michelle and Lee and Coachmate, please? Yeah, well, um, first of all, Ms. Stella talked about the importance of founders and they are really well-balanced and compatible founders. You know, Michelle is... Um, creative and and vibrant and really passionate and Lee comes from actually a strong coaching and and a high performance background but where we really liked um coach mate when we originally saw it is that it came from a different lens so it came from the lens of a mother or from the lens of a volunteer who didn't necessarily have any background in the sport that they were being put in a situation to potentially have to coach Right mm-hmm. now, um, traditional platforms that we've seen in the past around applications have come very much from a high performance lens. So it has come from somebody who's been at a national governing body and a director of football, rugby, etc. Sort of comes top down, and this is the way; these are the systems, and these are the way that you play, etc., etc., etc. 
Michelle came at it from, as a mother, what do I need? So rather than being helped, handed the clipboard on the side to be the manager of the team or sent to the canteen, I'm now the coach. What do I need to have that sets me up for this responsibility so that these kids have the best experience that they can have in life? In, 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 in sport, and it retains, and, and sport retains them and they, they're engaged in it. So when you look at an application through that lens, um, it was all around, okay, what, um, how can I be prepared for this session? How do I communicate with all of my team members and their parents? What equipment do I need? Um, if there are some kids who suffer some anxiety traditionally, what are they going to be experiencing in that training session? We can give them a rundown of what they are going to get out there and be part of, you know, and and enjoy. And then, um, as a coach, what really simple videos um, can we map out that create a session? And what equipment do we need for that session? And what are the key coaching points? And generally, what are the key messages that I want to, you know, want to give kids? So, coming from that lens was really, really different to anything that we saw. And then Lee brings a technical overlay, but a really practical and methodical and detailed um, view of it. So the compatibility of both of, both, both of them as founders and the team that they've been building around is really, really special. So um, that's, you asked me to sort of talk, talk about those two. That's what we really liked it from a, um, you know, from a, uh, you know, application and what it provides. But we also saw the opportunity that there is a community that an application like this brings together and there are a whole range of other needs that this community has to make life more efficient around community sport and we could start to build some other product solutions um, along, you know, along the way that really turned it into a exciting and scalable business than just a, a coaching platform uh, for volunteers to transition to coaches, yeah. And I love the fact that you, you're coming through uh, from the you know through the eyes of a mum. I just think that that makes it such a unique thing, and it, it's just yeah. I mean, it's it's one of those things where you think, how didn't someone do this before? But it never happens till someone does it. Michelle, well, we have that four it, so. kids, I think. Michelle, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> that that'd help. Um, it's but, but, community sport for the last 20, 25 years, and. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you know that's uh, amazing. Are we sort and, of and God is oh sorry, sorry, Stu, I just I just want to say, God, it's just quickly, mate. You know, I know you're someone. You know, you're passionate about the role that sport can play to the mind, the body, the soul. That education plays that helps people find themselves and, and find their place in life. Like on a personal note, how, how excited are you about the actual impact? Not not just from a tech piece and from a business piece, but genuinely on the grassroots when when you know the rubber hits the road and this Coachmate product is out there in Australia, in New Zealand, and you know eventually globally, that it will actually have on the lives of, of kids. Yeah, um, huge. One of the things when Stur and I first opened up the business was around the positive impact we could have on, on communities through sport, right? And, you know, technology ends up being one of those particular vehicles. But if, if we look at this technology downstream in, in 10 years' time and we can increase participation, we can remove any barriers of access for coaches, mums, dads, aunties, uncles to be involved in the sport. So we're sort of breaking down, you know, breaking down stigmas or perceptions around around roles. Um, and you build this strong community sporting base 
the stronger that base only means that it becomes you know it becomes stronger um, you know above that above that community base as well and that's obviously where you know high performance comes into comes into play but you know we really like um, community associated technologies at the moment there's another one club funders which I think Sterlo will 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 talk to as well but you know it's um it's goes back to the win 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 right it's if we can uh, you know build something that has a great commercial outcome, that has a great community and social impact outcome, uh, and we enjoy it with good people, then, hey, that's uh, not a bad thing to wake up to each day. Yeah. And, and how about you, for you, Sterlo, with Coachmate? Oh, look, I, I think um, someone that's coming to mind that's jumping out at me, both the Coachman actually, and, and club, club funders that we'll talk through in a bit, it, is that they are leading with i guess simon cynic in mind with leading with the why so coach mate we loved it as god has said because they're all about the vision for the businesses they want every kid to have a great sport experience regardless of their age gender ability and location um and also ironically the knowledge of the coach or the volunteer you know and that's a that's an amazing uh vision slash why for their business and what they're also focusing on, on at a high level is reducing churn and dropout rates in sport for both boys and girls. And they know that girls' churn or dropout rate is twice that of boys as well. And the number one factor that leads to this is poor coaching. So that's their why, and they totally lead with it. And for us, that grabbed us. Um, so... You know, Goddard has already said it, but I just wanted to reinforce that, that um, we certainly go through our Objective DD, the engine that we do and everything around it. But when you when you meet founders that have that clarity and understand the pain points so so well and articulate that really well, and this is, this is why our platform, my business, this is the problem it's solving, um, you can't help but to be engaged and, and get behind that. And I guess... For me, it, it does segue into the one we probably want to talk to soon, which is club funders, mate. So if you want, if you want me to go into that, more than happy to go there, Rocky. Yeah, yeah, definitely. We'll get into club funders and, and just quick with Michelle and Lee, we're going to get them on the show soon. They'll be able to dig into it a bit more. But but just just sort of wrapping up uh, the coach mate side of things, like you know, they obviously they took out the gong at the the sports awards night for Australia and New Zealand up in Brizzy just recently. Um, how have you found their sort of their progress and their ability to get into the market and really start to go and grow? Yeah, it's been um, it's been great. Michelle's actually just been in the UK and Europe the last uh, the last two and a half weeks um, with various governing bodies and brands uh, up there and having some really interesting conversations. So they they will go global and go global really quickly. I think you know one of the great things um, that they had. Uh, where their expertise had been was content, right? So Michelle's background with Augusto had been in content and production creation. So they produced things like Chasing Great, um, which is a movie around um, Richard McCall and, you know, uh, Dan Carter and bits and pieces. So they, they, they know content and they have this great creative resource around them so they can move quite quickly. Once they're really clear on the direction that they're going, they can package up that and position that communication really quickly. So uh, they're moving fast, the technology is moving fast, the opportunities are moving fast, and 
the way that they can articulate that to different markets. They can turn around with high quality really, really quickly. So um, mm-hmm. I'm really, really pleased with how, how we're progressing there. Uh, it'd be great to get Michelle and Leon soon. Um, yes, yeah, Sterlo. Now we spoke the other day on the phone. I know you are very excited about club funders and Blake Lawrence. I actually chatted with Blake the other day too. Um, we'll get him on as well. Club funders, obviously, sport is wonderful, but it ain't cheap. You know, it takes a lot to make the wheels go round. Tell us the role that club funders plays in that regard, please. Yeah, so getting back to the why. So I guess where club funders is coming into the picture is, you know, Blake being a, a really passionate founder is, is all around targeting the funding gap at all le- levels of organised sport. So ideally, no matter what your background, socioeconomic up, uh, um, upbringing, you know, want to make sure that you can have the resources available to play in sport um, at any time. So what Club Funders effectively is, is a sports payments platform that better enables friction, frictionless financial connection between all participants in the ecosystem. So if you think about it connects clubs with participants, sponsors, uh, fans to better commercialise uh, everything that goes on within their community. Um, so, an example of that would be, let's just say, membership maybe or subs maybe five hundred dollars or whatever it is, or I need to get some boots and X Y Z. It's going to cost me two hundred fifty dollars. This platform facilitates perhaps if my grandparents and my cousins and family members might want to contribute to that, you know, simply by downloading the Club Funders app, they can actually connect up through a really simple intuitive process and to help fund anyone in that ecosystem, whether it be a participant or whatever. Um, so it's, it's a really simple platform that helps connect that whole entire community or ecosystem, but it does it with a payment solution in mind. Um, so for us, you know, it, 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 it's it's not dissimilar in that we love Coachmate because it, it, it's totally bringing the tools and galvanizing a community. But what Club Funders is doing is, is doing very similar, but trying to help the ease of, through the ease of, of open banking platform to create a pa- payments gateway to really efficiently and effectively connect up that community as well. And I love the fact that it's providing greater opportunity for, as you said, you know, regardless of um, socioeconomic background. And it's funny, yeah, it's one of the things um, James Demetrio, who actually was the founder of ASTN, former Australian rules footballer and, and much celebrated uh, administrator, that was sort of his big passion. Um, he, he started an organisation, Sports Without Borders, and, and the idea was, you know, like just because you didn't grow up in a nice house and uh, have a, very lucky to have uh, plenty of cash uh, lying around that mum and dad could buy you the equipment, you know, how can we create a greater situation for people that don't have that? So I, I love the fact that this is tapping right into that, but it's using the most, you know, uh, modern technology to do so. And Sterlo, essentially, it sounds to me, so it's almost like a GoFundMe sort of thing, but but specifically driving into sport. Is that a similar sort of comparison? It, it's quite it's quite flexible. So. I guess the easiest way for me to, to, to rationalise or process what it what it can do, it's effectively a whole entire payments platform that can make make it really simple. So if you think about what Afterpay has done in, in, in normal shopping, combined with, with a rewards or some form of memberships program as well, so it, it almost galvanises the two. So it, it makes it really simple for people to transact in a whole entire ecosystem in a sporting club. But also, if you're a sponsor or a vendor of, in that 
community that wants to wants to help support that club or a person or the team, it provides a really simple way to do that. Um, so for us, there's, there's, there is really simple ways that, that club funders can help, let's just say for, for uh, simplest terms, commercialising your community or, or everyone supporting that club in the community more efficiently. You know, uh, I, I guess grassroots clubs that are doing it well will have their local pub or a few cafes or whatever that might have a card that you do um, manually if, if they've got it doing, if they're doing it really, really well. What club funders does is do that auto- automatically. So yeah. if you're a local, if you're a local um, sponsor, if you're a local insurance provider, you name it, any, any business in the whole entire ecosystem of that community, if they want to contribute back to that club, all they need to be is be on the club funders platform and say, yes, anyone who transacts through me that's on the platform, X amount will go back to the club. Um, that's how simple it, so that's how simple or to, it a, or to a player or to a, 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 an underprivileged kid who can't afford their registration fees, right? So, you know, if, if I look at a case, you know, an example, if I've got, you know, a niece and nephew who are playing community-based sport and there's three coffee shops that I can choose from, one of them is on club funders and associated with their local club, I go there, I buy my coffee, and I know the 15 cents out of every coffee goes to my niece or nephew's, um, you know, registration fees, right? So you've got, got um, you know, transactions where money used to go outside of a sporting community to other providers stays inside that sporting community and connects, whether it's, you know, players, participants, as well as sponsors and vendors, and, you know, clubs, even for pro clubs, down to community clubs. So um, it's really, really versatile and really scalable as a, as a technology. But even, but so, even, mm-hmm. so, even so, like fundraising, which is which is really important in any any club, potentially all the way up to professional clubs, right? It, it's something that's done very, very, very manually, but club funders can make that all systemized and really simple. So let's just say if I wanted to go on an season tour that costs five grand, I could put a, an actual fundraising bucket on the platform and then anyone that wants to contribute to that can do so. And or if we're doing raffle tickets or whatever, it can all be automated as well. So it's it's really interesting where this, you know, can really help solve a lot of problems for community clubs, but it actually can go all the way up to pro teams connecting from a membership point of view because, you know, membership packages at teams can be anywhere, I don't know, a couple of hundred up to a grand or whatever it is. And even subs, you know, in, in some football slash soccer can be anywhere from two grand up to five grand. You might want to say, okay, can I pay my subs over 12 months? Yes, you can. Uh, club funders can help facilitate that. And so it's, it's, it can create a lot of flexibility and ease around how you fund um, getting involved in sports full stop. You talk about the end-of-season footy trip. Um, two questions. Where is XV Capital doing its end-of-season trip, and am I invited? <laughs> Good question. I'm going to say, I think, I think we've got a target for uh, bringing the crew back into Australia as well for, uh, for you know, for, for a conference in, in March next year. Very nice. <laughs> Which Very I expect nice. you'll be at. <laughs> I was hoping for Bali, but anyway, all right, that'll do. A conference, great. <laughs> that'll be a holiday for me. Hey, um, but seriously, I, I just see it as being such a 
such much more um, efficiency, you know, more efficient use of the money, but also for a, for a sponsor. Like, I mean, you have your, your hoarding on the, the, you know, the side of the oval around the, the old cyclone wire fence, whatever. You've got the name of your cafe. Eh, is anyone even looking? But if you have it on this uh, versatile online platform, it's in everyone's pocket at their fingertips, you, know, you get way more recognition for contributing to that club or that player or whatever. So I just think... Across the board, it just, you know, once again, as always, technology brings about that greater efficiency and, and more directional use of money and also uh, messaging and branding. Hey, before we go, uh, how have you gone, and, and we'll get Blake to talk to this more specifically, but in terms of getting club funders out there into the market, how's that process going? We only really announced in the media uh, two weeks ago our, mm-hmm. you know, our uh, acceleration and investment um, you know, relationship with them. So part of our early stages is just really around sharpening the value proposition. And um, and and I think, you know, I mentioned earlier just around, you know, we, we, we look at technologies that have all of these applications, but we have to really tighten that down and narrow to what is the pain point with a clear, a clear segment. And certainly we think that the pain point with a clear segment at the moment is around, you know, pro club memberships and cost of living and people are struggling to be able to um, pay for their memberships that were normal you know were, were, were things that um, they they traditionally um, were just part of part of the annual expenses right and yeah. uh, we feel that this can be a vehicle that can really assist um, some of those big membership groups uh, to have various rewards programs and money that starts to get allocated towards memberships um, as a different way for communities to stay together when times are, you know, fiscally tough, um, that this could be a tool to, to be able to help help do that. So, you know, that, that, that'll be probably the, you know, the, the, the clear, clear market entry point at the moment. You'll see some more noise around that in the immediate future. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean... And it, it, I mean, it really, Sterlo, it's the right product at the right time, isn't it? Because, I mean, the economic headwinds are affecting everyone, you know, so this is really, your timing's pretty prescient. Yeah, I mean, we, we do, uh, I guess, like it, maybe that's not the right, right word as well, but the, the, the scenarios um, in sport, you look at, I guess, the funding gap that I said initially, so... Uh, and, that, and that's that's top down. That's everywhere. From Matt Carroll saying there's, there's over a two billion dollar funding gap in sport, leading to 2032 Olympics, um, to, through to uh, you, you look at historically where funding has come from in community sport, and, and a lot of it has come from betting and or pokey revenue. And those two sectors, long term, you know, they're, they're going to be reducing. Um, so, so that one, and then on top of that, as we know, as we've said, inflation and, and cost pressure, you know, cost pressures on, on living expenses are only going up. So you put all those into the mix, and we think, yes, this this is a this is a, a solution that fulfills a massive pain point already. Um, so, yeah, we do agree with you totally. That right time, right place, and, and um, going back to the rollout. So. I guess God has went to into part of what we're doing with with I guess our acceleration plan with with club funders. So, you know, we've been doing some I guess some strategic thinking and planning about where we fit in the whole entire ecosystem and puzzle. Um, as God has said, we're we're in the process of, of pulling together a diversified fund and launching a, a proper sports tech fund. Um, and we're trying to see are, are we a VC? We're early to mid stage growth. Well, we we almost think we're in a, a category of our own 
Goddard's, don't we? So we, we, I think Goddard's is... is Active done. acceleration capital seems yeah. to be the clearest way to articulate it. Um, there you go, mate. Active acceleration capital. And so we, we love to work hand-in-hand hand in hand with, with our acceleration partners and invest and create win-win scenarios. So that's what we're doing right now with Club Funders. It's early days, um, but we've got a, a strategy of mapping that out with some at all different different tiers of, of sport, um, early early doors, and then you know have some quick learns and, and keep going. And as soon as the business uh, case is proved out, we're going to accelerate really quickly globally. Well, your runs are on the board, and you look at that smart ball, and that that articulates it perfectly. Amazing product. Five years ago, without you guys, they couldn't get a look in. With you guys, they're going to be with the number one sport in Australia, and so now you're going to be doing the same sort of stuff for greater empowerment of women, girls, boys, men in terms of sport participation, coaching and getting more involvement rather than just a couple of people feel like they're part of it. Everyone feels like they're part of it. That's coach, mate. Then club funders to be able to actually pay for all this to happen. So, you know, I love what you guys are doing. Um, your, your help and support of uh, the podcast over the years has just been wonderful. It's, it's such an honour to chat with you both. We'll get you back on again soon. And, yeah, so Michelle and Lee, I look forward to having that on from Coachmate shortly and Blake Lawrence in the new year. James Godfrey, Sterling Mortlock, thank you very much for your time. Cheers, Lockie. Great, thanks, Lockie. You've been listening to Sports Cutting Edge for the Australian Sports Technologies Network. For more, jump online at astn.com.au.